Hi, welcome. You're watching Green Planet, Blue Planet. I am here today with Angeline from The Art Rising. Welcome to this interview. Mm, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to hear all about your projects and the way you use art as a tool for social transformation. It's quite fascinating to me, actually, what's possible with the pathway of an artist and the kind of inspiration of making art your, your, your daily craft. Do you want to share a little bit about your uh, refugee project and how that came to be? Yeah, so the Art Rising is a social art movement where we live in different countries and we collaborate with indigenous artists and we explore what's happening in those regions and how we could one day give back. And while we were living in Southeast Asia as, as our first region of this project, we learned about the Burmese refugee crisis and we swam in oceans every day and we fell in love with the ocean and and so we went back there a year later and we went to a refugee camp where we built an eco playground mm -hmm. and we went to the south of Thailand where we built an artificial reef. So those two projects are ones that we feel very passionate about and hope to keep evolving. Cool. So the eco playground and an artificial reef. But let's backtrack just for a second. So when you say we, uh, the Art Rising project is you and your partner Kyle? Yeah, it's the two of us. And when we do these projects, actually, we have a couple friends, artists, sculptors, designers, architects, volunteers that have come and helped helped us with these projects. Really cool. And we do hope that down the line it'll be a lot of different collaborations and it'll reach lots of different parts of the world and we'll be able to give back in, in lots of ways and also collaborate with indigenous artists in mm -hmm. different countries. And, and so how did that start in Thailand uh, on the Burmese kind of refugee uh, border and, and, and in that camp? Like, did you guys just start with the eco playground or the, the, the artificial reef and just saw the opportunity? and? And did that, or how did that come to be? Yeah, so the first time we were living there, we were there for a year collaborating with artists, and the two ideas came to us while we were there. And so it, it was about a three-year process of developing and raising funds and figuring out the best way to manifest these projects. And it's, it's an interesting process mm -hmm. because I have, I have a practice of the law of affirmation and attraction, so I, I would say that this was what we were going to do and I would just realize it happening wow. in the moment and, and it never really turns out the way I had imagined it initially, it turns out way more incredible than yeah. I could ever yeah. have imagined it. Um, but we, yeah, with the refugee camp, we just knew we were going to go to a camp and we wanted to gift something and we wanted to learn about their situation and, and so we thought of the idea of a playground as something that could be universally loved and, and we thought of an eco-playground so that mm -hmm. the resources could be locally sourced and gotcha. sustainable and things that they could be comfortable working with. And we entered into the camp. We stayed there only for nine days so that we would have a very low resource impact. Mm -hmm. And it was an incredibly profound and beautiful journey. We worked with nine men. Um, so this camp, it's, it's a Burmese camp. Mm -hmm. There's 
eight different camps with 11,000 people in each camp. And it's mostly Buddhist um, minorities from Burma that were being kind of prosecuted and kicked out of their homes and yeah. they escaped to Thailand. And they've been living there for over 30 years. Oh, wow. So a lot of, yeah, a lot of children have been born into the camp not even knowing that oceans exist on Earth. Mm -hmm. and not even knowing if they will ever leave the camp or see the outside world. And so it's, it's very interesting to, to observe how a community of 11,000 people can live together for 30 years and, and what they can develop together. Um, they have incredible bamboo housing. They've developed a little bit of hydropower through a river that they live in, mm -hmm. live amongst. And it's a little bit limiting the amount of resources and kind of permission that they have to continue developing beyond that basic foundation. Totally. Of just so there's basically very little support on site. They live there since 30 years. That's 30, incredible. That's, yeah. that's way too long. Yeah. And from an artist's perspective, when, when you two arrived there, did you feel this kind of this urge of creating something that might be a relief? for people living there or, or it might be like an inspiration for people living there? Yeah, so it's all, it was all, the intention was always to bring play, imagination, laughter and joy into a camp and or to anybody really. I think art provides that opportunity. Um, so the playground was really interesting because we got to build it with, with some of the men, the fathers mm -hmm. of the camp that volunteered and, and we were able to pay them wages to, to to create it with us and they taught us all about working with bamboo and we got wow. to teach them about uh, knot tying and together we built these three teepees and then all the teepees were connected in creative ways of, that the kids could move around it so climbing on monkey bars and swings hanging down and, and rope ladders and um, so it, it started off with yeah. that and interestingly within four days of being there, we were just immersed and, and kids were laughing everywhere and, and they were clanking together bamboo and, and the, just the resound, resounding sound of joy and the laughter. The joy that was present. Yeah, and yeah. having it concentrated in this place too, because usually the kids would run all over the camp and, and go play in the, the lakes and, and uh, sometimes the parents would be nervous about their safety. and. So it was interesting to bring them all together and mm -hmm. be here and have the, the parents all together and, and watching it being built. And um, But interestingly, the, f the fourth day that we were there, we were invited into the elder, the elder's home. And he was the oldest man in the camp. He had been there since the very beginning. Wow. And he welcomed us into his home and he said, thank you so much for coming here, but why aren't you doing more? <laughs> why aren't you fighting for our freedom? And it was a huge blow to our memory of why we were coming into this camp and, and that we had um, more than, you know, we had, we had more that we could give, we just didn't know what it was. And so the, the first thing we had thought of was, was you know, something joyful and playful but there's there's a lot of depth to this 
situation that they're in. Yeah, absolutely. I can yeah. hardly imagine, to be honest. I think mm-hmm. refugee camps are a complete other uh, ballpark ball part of ex- extremes, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he literally asked you to, like, support their freedom mission anymore. Is, is that something that you encountered it several times when you spend time with, with elders or ancestral wisdom, that there is like a craving for support, or how do you usually perceive that? Mm. I think that's an interesting question because mm. I would love to, like with the indigenous artists that we work with, to hear their perspectives on the state of our world. And, mm-hmm. and, and this, this is the first time that we've been directly approached in this way, but I, I know being in America, I've heard being, you know, amongst Native American communities speaking up about taking care of our earth and, and the way that we're, you know, we've mistreated this this mother that's supported us and is, is giving to us. And um, yeah, I, I think with the camp as well, it was specifically relating to kind of the political climate of refugees not being accepted into different places and resettlement being more difficult and resources not being shared and just the overall um, oppression that they're in you know they they live in a place and they're not allowed to leave Um, they have nowhere to go but they're also being asked to find somewhere new because they some of the home countries don't want to support them yeah. forever or don't have the resources to support them. That's so, so like curious in my mind because it's such a deep and extreme topic and at the same time you coming in with a project called The Art Rising mm-hmm. and literally making change happen within less than, than 10 days, mm-hmm. creating a new space where there's a new form of community and collaboration arising is, mm-hmm. that in itself I feel is such a massive help, right? And a form of support maybe that, that wasn't possible or available from a non-artistic perspective, from a linear economic perspective of how to help these people. Mm-hmm. How did that relate to building the, the, the first artificial coral reefs? Because I think that's such a major um, step forward in, in bringing, again, art into an environmental equation in this case, right? And mm-hmm. finding a solution that is inspired through art but actually fosters and benefits our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we were living in the the island in Thailand, we we had just had the vision of building something for the ocean, and we did some research, learned about other artists that had done this in the past, mm-hmm. learned about how it could be done, using which materials, and we really just figured it out on the spot. <laughs> we, we had a, a design in mind and an Looks incredible team, yeah. and we partnered with the dive community, mm-hmm. and. Um, this dive community had an eco uh, segment to it that was dedicated to restoring the ocean and partnering together. We built it, they helped us deploy it, they monitor it, they build bigger reefs around that mm-hmm. our, our sculpture. And and for us it's always the, the first step to what more can we go and right. how, how. How can you help the existing community or the the world that's already present how can you help and support them through collaboration yeah. is, that, is that kind of the yeah what the can mindset? we offer i yeah. guess like what are what are our strengths and skills and what are yours and how can we bring them together to offer something that'll benefit either as many people as yeah. possible or or the earth 
that's epic because we we just started chatting a little earlier about collaboration how it it's one of the driving forces of basically any holistic step forward mm -hmm. can you just summarize for people uh, who are listening uh, what an artificial reef is and how it looks just in like a very short kind of uh, first second and maybe third step like well, how can I picture that? So it's, it's a structure underwater. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different ways people can do it. Um, some people create big cement blocks or spheres or domes or people drop cars or boats. Mm -hmm. um, we like to build something, you know, a sculpture, mm -hmm. like an, um, something symbolic or culturally relevant. So our, our last sculpture was an East Asian water goddess named Mazu. She Mazu. was from 190 BC in China. Wow. This woman mm -hmm. who was born not crying and she could predict weather patterns and would warn people going out to sea when mm -hmm. it was safe or not and was an amazing swimmer and, yeah. and would save people from the ocean. And so she was the inspiration for the statue that then served as the reef? Yes, actually the sculpture came first and then we named her Mazu. But it's a sculpture that has has gills as ribs and she's bending backwards out of the sand mm -hmm. and her heart is is open and so the inside is all the skeletal structure which fish can go into and swim inside oh, wow, of and okay. be safe and yeah. and um, we mo we collected sea glass which we mosaic um, a throat chakra. Mm -hmm and her head is coming back and her eyes are open so you can see deep into the, the ocean through her eyes and wow. we mosaiced a yin yang on her third eye mm -hmm. and so she you know she symbolized kind of our humanity reconnecting with nature and being able to to rebuild this relationship together um, we had an amazing friend named Thaddeus who came with us and helped us co-design and, and sculpturally design this sculpture. So, you know, we, we've envisioned a lot of different types of imagery and, mm. and symbols that we could explore together in different parts of the world. Um, the Maldives is a really exciting place we'd like to go to where, where we envision building a sculpture that's partially above water, partially in water, mm -hmm. and we can time-lapse the changing sea levels in relation to the sculpture. Wow. And then the coral basically just repopulates on structures like that, or do you have to get that started in some kind of way? So when we use concrete, it emulates rock, so it'll naturally attract minerals to yeah. it and, and turn into coral that fish will feed on. The other option is when we use metal and we create binding agents, we can take broken coral and replant it. And mm -hmm. when that grows, we can fragment that coral and keep replanting it. And that process is really exciting because we can cover a lot of the ocean floor if we just build the infrastructure for coral to be replanted. Mm -hmm. And then the next step, hopefully, is to bioshock these structures, which is bio running shock. Bio shock, okay. which is running electricity through the sculpture, through all the metal, and it'll charge that metal and attract more minerals to it and accelerate the coral growth. So more nutrients for the coral, coral actually living on the structure. Mm -hmm. Wow, bioshocking. I've actually never heard of that before today. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's exciting because I feel like with all of the the difficult present day perils mm -hmm. we're facing, there's so much incredible technology 
and knowledge, ideas, and human power to to create creative solutions um, against them, or to or to to help rehabilitate those those things that we're facing. And so I'm incredibly impressed with the scientists and the tech innovators mm-hmm. that are coming up with those types of solutions and being able to, to support each other and, and you know continue to accelerate these solutions in the next few years I think is, is very exciting and Wow, yeah. So listening to you makes me like even more optimistic and hopeful <laughs> yeah, for the state of the world because it, it sounds like you literally are a two-man show who, who can show up in a space and really create change through collaboration and art and bringing in the right components and being present enough to listen from, from a space of permaculture thinking and, and realizing, okay, I'm observing this uh, refugee camp or this island in the ocean and marine life and this is what shows up and what the local community is maybe either ready for or needs or uh, could help in this situation. Mm-hmm. If you were to distill like one or two lessons for us that you've learned along that path. Um, something that keeps showing up for you where, where you, you've realized like this is just one of the gifts of living this, this, this art and artist's rising journey. Um, what would those be? I would say one of the biggest lessons is about collaboration. One of my favorite quotes is collaboration is metamorphosis, shedding our exoskeleton to allow our organism to grow. And I think that's the, the shift that our collective is going through now, wow. moving from collaborating rather than competing against each other and c- moving towards more selflessness rather than selfishness. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I, I just love being able to work with people all over the world with all different skills and interests all for something greater than any one of us and it just feels so good to do that and you know everyone is a winner in that situation and it's just a really beautiful model that I think we can all live in and continue to manifest around us I think being you know being giving and generous and and just learning how we can continue to create the reality that we we all want for our kids and mm-hmm. our grandkids. Um, you know, I know that the earth is, is strong and will sustain everything that we throw at it, um, but I think it's more about what type of earth will, we are leaving for the, you know, the rest of totally. human civilization. That's a very powerful question. What makes this planet really worth, worth living on, right? And not just force and select few Mm-hmm. of us who are happy and lucky to live in this privilege, but actually for everyone. Mm-hmm. Angelina, is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, any way how people can help you, support you in this mission, and where people can meet you next? Mm-hmm. Yes, so our website, www.theartrising.com. Theartrising.com. Yeah, that's where you can find us. We, we love collaborating, so we're open to you know, people coming and joining us or working on a project together or us traveling to a new part of the world to create a new project with people. And our the way that we're supported currently is through all the art that we make um, by ourselves and with indigenous communities. Mm-hmm. And all of that supports our philanthropy. 
Um, we create really colorful clothing out of our art, which is has also awesome. yeah. been incredible. The amount of support we've been able to receive for these projects is incredible. Mm -hmm. To be able to to self fund these things and and um, yeah, I think that people can get involved and they can support and they can create their own projects. They can mm -hmm. ask us help to come up with projects yeah. uh, there's tons of ways um, that that you know interesting business models can be developed to support to more of that journey and fund more of those products yeah definitely cool. and where do people find the clothing also on it's also on the, the website okay, mm -hmm. cool. yeah and I, and I would love to share what our future projects are yeah, um, so with the with the particular Burmese refugee camp we were able to find out what their their needs and desires are, and knowing that the next few projects is, um, one is building art installations that can provide renewable energy, and building art installations that can be vertical farms for providing food, mm -hmm. and also bringing over medical support. Mm -hmm. and. And the interesting thing on the first two is that being able to build it together and share these skills with them and share the resources, hopefully one of the visions is that they'll be able to create those, those um, installations and provide food for other refugee communities or for wow. other parts of their community. And it's interesting, I think, with the refugee situation is that it's so temporary, and I think that's something we that I'm learning is that no matter how temporary this is, we can still make the most out of it, and we can still learn to thrive and develop together. And and I think what I'm learning with them is that that us sharing resources is all that it takes to help accelerate that process. And and I'm envisioning the the creation of eco sustainable ways of living within refugee camps that involve art installations and renewable energy and building it all together and hopefully that will inspire people to come visit these camps and learn about how they're living and learn from them and interact with them and and hopefully doors will open more and more mm -hmm. and and you know the way that people are living in camps will shift and hopefully this knowledge of of applying sustainable living can be shared in other parts of the world and, and we may all become refugees at one point to our to our local home you know mm -hmm. and be much more mobile and and just moving a lot out of places that aren't safe anymore or or are covered in water and so learning i think to adapt to that situation is something that hopefully we can figure out in the next few years as well. Cool, really cool. Mm -hmm. So maybe as a closure for this um, short interview here, I'd love mm -hmm. to know your wish or your desire for the world you've been describing, right? The planet that, that's worth living for everyone, that we're building with the future generations in mind. What would be your, and it could also be specific to your projects, but what, what would be your one wish or your one desire to, to the universe in that sense? Well, it's an interesting question because when I asked refugee communities what it is that they wish for, mm -hmm. it was sovereignty, justice, peace, and every single person answered that same thing. And wow, sovereignty, justice, and peace. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I think we, yeah, we all deserve that. And it's crazy to think how many people have been oppressed throughout history. You know, how many people have died and yeah. been suffering and all inflicted by human greed. And, and so I... I so a shared collective history. Yeah. From so many different cultures and angles. And totally. Yeah. You know, my, my parents went through it. I'm sure people in all of our families have yeah. struggled through this this one you know, flaw that we have, which is to, to dominate over other people. Or, so, I, yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel like peace, sovereignty, and justice would be my wish for all of us coexisting together. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm.